Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join, join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Speaking of, good news, VIP members, we got the, the PDF problem fixed, the text guide is now available for the new lessons. I apologize for that little bug. We are doing work on our website, upgrading some things, changing the design a little bit, caused some problems, but they are fixed now. So go get that text guide, get your new lesson. It's called All Out. All Out is the name of the new VIP lesson and the PDF download now working. Great. Today, I spent the day, actually yesterday, all, all last night, and then most of today, I spent reading books about blockchain, educating myself about blockchain. The book I mentioned yesterday, what was it called? The End of Google, something like that. Nice title. Great title. The fir- It started quite well, the first few chapters for several chapters were interesting and had a lot of good information and then it just didn't it went nowhere the problem is it's written by a journalist and uh, it's just I, how do i describe this there's this certain kind of journalist writing and they they all copy each other it's like a formula and when they write books they all sound the same. It, basically, you may know the writer Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. He wrote the book Outliers. That's one of his more famous books. He's a big best-selling guy. And basically, since he became popular, everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but many, 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 many journalists who try to write books copy his style. You might not notice as an as an English learner, but for me, it's so obvious. It's just, oh, good Lord, everybody trying to sound exactly like him. Very unoriginal. I told you, journalists aren't that, are not very smart. And so, unfortunately, the book, that Google book, actually, was very shallow. There was not much deep information. It was, it was filled with a, a lot of junk, with really no useful or interesting information. So I don't recommend that book at all. However, the second book, the one I started reading today, I do recommend because already in just the first few chapters, very, very good. It's a more technical book, but it's written for non-technical people, which is great. And it's it's very step-by-step explaining the major ideas and principles behind the blockchain technology, which is fantastic. It's called Blockchain Basics. I mentioned yesterday, and we'll talk a little more about this today, some of the key features, benefits, motivations for this blockchain technology. What are they? Well, number one is security. Security. 
one of the key benefits of the blockchain is to add greater security and trust to online transactions, right? Online information going back and forth, especially when we're talking about money. Make them more secure, harder to hack. That's the idea, at least, and it's, it has that potential. Another one, potentially, is privacy. Some of the blockchain technology, some of the coins and things are designed more towards privacy. But the big one, the main thing, the really the main benefit, the main idea, the, the main motivation behind blockchain is this idea of decentralization, meaning not central, not concentrated. Another way to say that would be distributed. Distributed. It's the same idea. It means not everything in one small area. Right? Centralization means concentrating. It means bringing everything together, connected to one thing. Google is a good example. Our current internet has become very concentrated, very centralized. Just a few giant companies now control most of the traffic. Most of the internet traffic goes through these big companies. Facebook, Apple, Google, Twitter, Amazon, might throw in Microsoft. And basically six six companies. And what's interesting, I just saw actually Q posted. Q posted something about Q posted this. That's where I saw it. Information is some statistics about the media, the big media like television, television, magazines, newspapers, all of that. In the United States, over 90% owned by only six companies. Six companies, six gigantic companies control all of it. It's Disney is one, Viacom, Warner Brothers. And so these companies control, they, you know, CNN, like CNN is, an, is not an independent company. It's controlled by Warner Brothers, AOL Time Warner. And AOL Time Warner owns, you know, a huge number of television stations and, and uh, t- TV production studios, movie studios, etc. Disney too. Disney owns ABC News and the ABC Channel and, of course, all, all the other stuff. So a lot, a lot, a lot of things. The point is, though, that these six companies, these six media companies control everything. That's why you'll suddenly see one day... It seems like all the news are saying exactly the same thing. They even use the same words, the same phrases, suddenly, on one day. It's like, wow, are they working together? Yes, they're all controlled by just six companies. So it just comes down from the top of those companies. And we also know from both WikiLeaks and from Q and other evidence that these companies are also working together. So it's just six companies. It just takes six people, one at each company, and they just send out an email in the mornings, talk about this, say this. These are called talking points. Talking points means topics. And they, they will use exactly this, the, the, how you can really tell, how you really know that they're, that they're all working together is when they use the exact same vocabulary words to describe something or to, to describe someone. 
often it'll even be an, an uncommon word. It's obvious that they're getting notes to all say the same thing. And we think, oh, this is impossible. No, it's very possible. It's only six. There are only six companies controlling in the United States, at least. At this point, I think it's probably 92, 93% of all media. And that means news, TV, tele, uh, movies, newspapers, radio stations. I believe in most countries around the world, it's the same idea. A few companies control almost everything. It's easy for them to lie. They control everything. And what we have online is exactly the same system now. Very centralized. So this is centralization. To get back to our vocabulary word, this is centralization. There's the mainstream, we call the traditional media centralization. Six companies controlling all the TV, radio, newspapers, magazines, everything. Just six companies. It's very concentrated. Just a few companies controlling it all. And then online, again, a few companies, five or six companies, again, controlling almost all of the internet traffic now, going through those companies. It's very centralized. Centralization, what it does is centralization, think of it as it pulls the money from the individuals, from you and me, from the people, and it pulls it up, up, up to the top to just a few people or just a few companies. It concentrates the money at the top it concentrates the control at the top. It concentrates the power at the top. This is also true with governments. We can see this with governments. The history of the United States is a great example of this. At the time the United States was born, after the Declaration of Independence, after uh, beating the British, America was very decentralized. Its government its power was very decentralized, not centralized, very spread out. There were 13 states, the 13 colonies, they became 13 states. And in the early days of the United States, even before the war, each state had a lot of power. Most of the power was with each individual state. There was not a big national government at all. Right, So the power was less centralized. Instead of one government, national government, in Washington, D.C., there were 13 governments, and they were all much smaller, right? Each state had their own government. And then, even then, within each state, each town had a lot more power. So the power was decentralized. The people, the communities, the towns, the local communities had most of the power and there was no central one big powerful government <clears throat> excuse me and then what we see then with the history of the United States as the United States grew what happens is they created the constitution and probably they made a mistake at least for freedom they made a mistake and they made the federal government the central government too strong and then what we can see the, over the history of the United States, very, very, very steady, that the 
more and more and more centralization, the more and more of the money and power going to the central government, the federal government, the national government in D.C., and the states losing more and more power, the states becoming weaker and weaker, the local governments and local towns becoming weaker and weaker, individual people becoming weaker and weaker and weaker, as the power became more and more and more centralized. And now, of course, we have this big empire, the American empire, and almost all, it's super centralized now, all the power is in Washington, D.C. The states have very little power compared to the national government very centralized and individuals we have lost most of our freedom in the in the United States much 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 less free than at the beginning of the United States we can see this economically everywhere in the world same idea of and you can see how centralization tends to take away freedom freedom becomes less as centralization increases, right? As the power gets concentrated at the top in just a one group or just a few groups, just a few people, then everybody else becomes weaker. And we see this also with money. This has happened. Where we talk about how the, the, the top 0.1%, right? The, 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 the billionaires control like over half of the wealth, over half of the money in the world. Right? These big, big, giant companies keep getting bigger and bigger, and then they join together to create an even bigger company, and then they buy other medium-sized companies, and they just keep buying and buying and merging and joining together, creating fewer and fewer and fewer companies that are bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The money gets centralized. Right? The economy now, very, very centralized, just these super giant companies sucking all the money away. And as this happens, normal people, their wealth, their money, their economic freedom is getting less and less and less and less. We see that happening everywhere again. So we can see that overall, centralization, concentrating the power, the money, the control, anything really, tends to take away freedom and take away prosperity we would say prosperity means uh, kind of financial freedom abundance having enough takes that away from regular people and concentrate it concentrates it in j with just a few so what blockchain is and why blockchain is important and why people are interested in it is that it's a way to reverse this. It's a way to decentralize the internet. To put the power and the control back to individual users and to remove those few central controllers remove a lot of their power. Maybe not completely destroy them, but certainly remove them and allow us to go around them. Now, here's one of the cool things about it. The blockchain, That one of the big ideas is to cut out the middlemen that we call middlemen, right? So, for example, I have a video. 
and I want you to watch my video. So I have a video. You, you want to watch my video. How do we do that? Well, right now I put it on YouTube and then you go to YouTube to see it. YouTube's the middleman, right? I'm not sending you my video directly. You're not watching it directly with me. You're watching it on YouTube. And why is that? Because right now for me to host my own video would be much too expensive, much too difficult. But what this does is it gives, it concentrates the power in Google, YouTube. So it gives them the power to block my videos or block you if they don't like you. Another area where this is very important is in money, banking. If you think about it, what is banking? Banks are just middlemen. They don't really do much. They're middlemen. They take a large amount of our money and control our money. All this power and wealth is concentrated in the banks, but basically they're just middlemen, right? I Let's say you're, you want to buy from me and I want to sell to you. Well, if we were face-to-face, we could use cash. The bank would not be involved, right? Let's say I, I want to sell you a shirt. I make t-shirts. So I could meet you face-to-face and say, oh, here's a t-shirt. You want to buy it? You say yes. I say $5. You give me $5 direct. That's face-to-face. It's also called peer-to-peer. Your peers are like your friends. It's just people, it just means someone like you, a peer. So peer-to-peer basically means one-to-one, individual-to-individual. There's no middleman if we meet face-to-face and you pay with the cash. Even better, you, maybe you could say, oh, well, the cash, that's kind of a middleman because the government makes the cash. So maybe the government's a little bit of a middleman. Okay, maybe you could say that. So what if you use gold? You could use gold or silver. Then there really is no middleman because we don't need a government or a bank or anybody for silver or gold. That would be even more direct, peer-to-peer. However, if you want to buy anything online, you can't pay cash, right? And really now, too, with a lot of things we buy... Most of us don't pay cash for everything, right? We use debit cards. We use credit cards and other kinds of things, but especially debit and credit cards. Some people used to use checks. Whenever you pay with those methods, now the bank becomes the middleman, right? To pay me, you use your credit card. What does that mean? Well, that means first, uh, you know, I enter your number into, and it goes... We swipe your card. We show your card. It goes onto the internet. It has to go through a payment processor. That's the first middleman. And then it has to go through the bank, right? The money goes from your bank account to my bank account. So the bank and the payment processor both are middlemen, and they're each taking a percent, right? They're each taking some of our money, and they're controlling our money. This gives them a huge amount of power. We all know how powerful the banks are. But they're just middlemen between customers and people who sell, sellers. One of the ideas, one of the 
super powerful ideas behind blockchain and these coins coin the coins these coins like bitcoins they're just a they're a kind of blockchain the blockchain again is the very general term for the kind of uh, these kind of programs or applications structures and one of the uses of this is, is this kind of a digital money we might call digital money but one of the cool things we'll just use we'll just use bitcoin bitcoin as an example since it's the most famous if you buy something from me online and you use bitcoin there's no bank that payment goes directly from you to me it never goes through a bank it's peer to peer right individual to individual the middleman the bank is eliminated or you know paypal that's another paypal is basically a kind of a bank they're another middleman right if you pay with paypal you have to have a paypal account and then the money goes from your account into my paypal account and to get it then i have to take it out of the account paypal's the middleman but with the 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 big 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 idea what makes this potentially very powerful the blockchain is the idea that it becomes peer to peer it's almost like digital cash is the idea that we're getting back to this idea of cash of directly one to one without needing any bank in between this is the power this is also why it scares governments and scares the banks because it goes past them they can't charge a percentage same with there's no there is a you know often with these there is a percentage but it's usually cheaper than a credit card there's a transaction cost of course because it's a service but it's less and you never have to deal with the bank it just goes from one person to another or one person to a company it's peer to peer without the middleman this means it's lower cost and it's also faster it's faster you don't have to go through a bunch of different steps oh, the credit card processor the payment processor and then the bank and then the other person's bank and then right it's just direct this makes it potentially very 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 powerful it's the same idea with blockchain if we're talking about using the same technology for media, one of the examples would be, say, peer-to-peer, -peer, like file sharing. That's an, that's an example. A kind of file sharing would be another peer-to-peer -peer system. That's where there's a system designed, and let's say I have a, again, I have a video file. Instead of putting on YouTube, you can just get it directly from me and anybody else can get it directly from me now the trick is how do we do that without me having to have a huge server right because that's expensive and how they solve this problem is what happens is the files get hosted they get shared with the entire network So, for example, let's say I've got uh, 100 videos. I don't host all those 100 videos myself. They get shared among lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of different computers. So, no one computer gets overloaded. 
This also, as you can see, potentially, potentially makes them harder to censor because they're not just in one place, controlled by just one company. So this is the idea. Now, there are different... How do we say this? Different levels of centralization or different levels of decentralization. Different blockchain, they're not all the same. Some are very, 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 very decentralized, meaning, right, very, very spread out. Some are kind of more of a combination where they do have a little bit of centralization. They call them, sometimes they call them nodes or something like that, where there is a little bit more concentration of functions or information, but it's not completely controlled like something like YouTube. So we, we can think of it more as a range. This is why you have to do a little research. I've been researching a lot about different blockchains and different applications that use blockchain, and indeed there are quite a range. One of the confusions we have about this is that there really, we need to think of a few different things when we think of a blockchain. On one hand, there's what's, what we might call the implementation. Implementation. Implementation is, is, means the, the action. What that really means when we talk about blockchain or computers in general, the implementation is, it can also be called the back end. The back end. It's the, it's the functions that we don't actually really see so much. Right? It's the, the user doesn't know how it works. So, for example, on YouTube, if I click on a YouTube video, the implementation or the back end, I don't know how, I don't know the technical things. I don't know how exactly what's happening in, you know, in the YouTube computers, right? I just see the function. I see the function, which is kind of the surface. I see the function. I press this button and the video plays and the sound comes out. That's the function or the application. So there's the application. Some people, we used to call this a program, a program or an application. That's the function. That's what we as users, we, we want it to do what we want it to do. But then there's the kind of the, the structure behind that that the technical people do and work on that most of us don't think about as much. So the blockchain, that's the part that's on the part that we don't see. You could think of the blockchain as it's the, it's kind of the back end. It's the structure. It's the programming structure and it, with that we don't really see. And with that basic structure, you can then build lots of different applications or programs. So you could have, let's say, using the basic idea, the basic blockchain of Bitcoin or some variation of it. You could then, you can make a coin, Bitcoin, but then you could also make some other kinds of applications or programs that run on or use the, the basic structure of Bitcoin. A better one is Ethereum. It's another coin because Ethereum is designed for exactly this, much more so. Ethereum is a kind of, you know, they have Ether, which is a kind of uh, money, again, cryptocurrency, it's called digital money. But Ethereum is also designed 
to be like the basic structure for different programs, different applications. Little complicated, I know. <laughs> it's a little complicated. So what does it mean for you or I? Number one, for basic people who are not programmers, not technical people, I think what you, you and I are, are mostly focused on are the app, is the application level. right? I just I want to watch a video. I want to listen to an audio. I want to pay for something. I want to do a blog. I want social media. Those are applications, right? That's the part we can see, the functions that we use. That's what we want. But the thing is, what we want is we want those functions, we want those applications, but we want them without censorship, with more privacy, with without the tracking, and without one company being able to you know, ban us so easily without us having to worry about all that. Without one company dominating and controlling everything or a few companies, like five or six companies, right? So we want the basic applications. Let's say social media, but we want it using the blockchain. The blockchain is the part we can't see that's behind that. That's... By using the blockchain technology, we can have those kind of same similar functions, but cutting out more of the middlemen, making everything cheaper, making everything more secure, more private, more accurate. We can trust more. And the big one, less centralized. That's money, media, apps, all those things. That's the idea. That's the promise. So where are we now, though? This is the big potential. This is why everybody's so excited about blockchain and crypto. And again, make, to make it to understand the difference, blockchain is the very general technology, the very general type of, uh, we'll say, programming. And crypto is more specific. Cryptocurrency is specific is digital money digital money that uses the blockchain technology crypto is very specific to the digital money blockchain is much more general you can make applications you can make programs you can make a video site using blockchain you can make a, a payment system using blockchain you can make a blogging site a social media site using blockchain so you see the difference where are we now? Where are we now? As I've been doing my research, of course, what I'm looking for as just a creator doing a show, doing a podcast, uh, selling my courses, I'm most interested in easy to use applications that are also decentralized without censorship more free, more trust, more secure, right? That's what I'm looking for to be able to get this. I basically, I want the same functions. I like the function of YouTube. YouTube works great. That's why it's so popular. I like the function of Twitter. Twitter works for what it is, the little short messaging. It works great. And same for Facebook. 
We like the basic functions. That's why they are so popular. That's why so many people have joined those uh, different, what are called platforms or applications. The problem is these companies got too big, too powerful, and they're abusing their power now. That's the problem. I mean, the basic applications, we all like them, of course. They're very, uh, they're very useful. They're convenient. But they're abusing their power. They're abusing their power. They're spying on us. They're trying to control our political views. They're sharing our information in ways that we don't like and we can't stop them. They're getting involved in, in media and politics. They're trying to connect with, their, with banks to monitor our financial information. It's bad. We don't want any of that. They're, and most of all, they're censoring and banning people just because they don't like them. People who are not doing anything wrong. It's, it's like the phone company. We love the phone company, but we don't want them banning us or censoring people just because they don't like them. Same idea. So this is the problem. So where are we with the uh, blockchain? This is why I want to, I'm interested in the blockchain and why a lot of people are, and this is the big promise. And when you, if we just get away from social media, if we also look at things like the, the banking industry, which we all know, has, I mean, nobody likes the banking industry. Wouldn't it be great if we could reduce their power? Because they also are abusing, abusing, abusing their power to make themselves richer and richer and richer, more and more and more powerful, and everybody else less rich and less powerful. Again, we like the function. We like being able to conveniently pay for things with a card or online, but we don't like them abusing their power. So the idea is that the blockchain is going to give us eventually these same applications, these same functions, but with without the abuse of power, or at least less abuse of power. That's the hope. Is it, is it here yet? That's the next question. Well, is it ready? Is all this happening? Is it already happening? Not quite. I've been trying lots of these different applications, programs that use the blockchain. I've been researching them a lot now, last several days, signing up for some reading about them, looking into them. And it kind of reminds, these, these sites, these, these sites and these applications remind me of the internet back in the 1990s. <laughs> kind of the early days of the internet. Which means that I'd say most of these applications, this, the functions or programs, most of them are not so easy to use right now. So, many of them are they're hard to sign up for. Like Steemit, I tried to with Steemit's one. I tried to sign up for Steemit. I've got to wait two weeks. Why? I don't know. But it's just right. It, it's already it's a little annoying. It's difficult to use. Their design is of most of these really terrible. Right? We get we've gotten spoiled because now. The designs of most of these sites and, and also the apps we use on our phone, they're mostly designed very well. They look nice. They're easy to use. It's easy to understand all the functions. The Most of the blockchain stuff I've seen is the opposite. Like I said, they, they a lot of them look like old 1990s websites to me. <laughs> and, and I think the reason is right now with blockchain, it's 
super dominated by the the programmers, the technical people. It's understandable because it's in the early stages. It's in the early development. They're still developing the tech, right? The technology's not quite perfected yet for all of these things. There's each one of these still has some major weak points. And so mostly it's these really kind of very, very technically focused people who are very focused on the, the back end, right? How things are working on the back. But what they don't have are great designers to make everything easy to use. And in some cases, they, they haven't figured out how to make things easy to use yet. So that just anybody, you know, a good test of this, I've, I think I've seen this before, but a, a great test would, to ask yourself when you see an application, something online would be, you know, could your grandmother or your mother, depending on your age, could your mother or your grandmother use it easily? Could your grandmother or your mother easily figure it out and use it? For YouTube, for sure, right? Just go to YouTube and click the little arrow and start playing. So that super simple and easy to use. The function is simple and easy to use. It's a great application. That's why Google bought YouTube. If we use that same test with most of these blockchain applications that I've seen at least, it fails that test. Some of them, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, oh God, how do I, how do I use this? What? Uh, it's, it, it's, it takes some, a, lot of, a fair amount of effort to figure it out. I'm not super technical, but I'm better than probably the average person. So if I'm already, if it's kind of a little annoying and confusing to me, then for most people, they're just not going to use it. Not when they have the choice of using something super simple and easy like Facebook or Google or Twitter or YouTube. So that just means it's, it's the early stages. What I'm saying is I don't think the, most of this blockchain stuff is not quite ready yet. It's not quite ready yet for everybody. I think we're probably... Uh, it's hard to guess with these things, really. It's really hard to guess because there can be sudden big changes and, or sometimes we think a big change will come and it's much slower. I don't know. I just a, a random guess. I would say something like we're probably five years away for that at least. The, the technology, the, the back end, the, the programming parts, there, there's a lot of innovation happening, a lot of people doing lots of different things. It's really cool, very, very, very creative. It's kind of exploding, kind of like the early days of the, the internet, when the internet first started. All these websites were coming out and all these things, and it was all brand new. But for a lot of people, it was hard to, to use, hard to figure out. And for a lot of people, they weren't in the early days, in the, early, in the 90s, to, to pay for something online seems scary. Like, I don't know. How do I do this? I don't trust. I don't want to enter my credit card. Uh, right? I think that's kind of what blockchain's like now. That most people are just sort of like, well, I don't quite understand this. And uh, it's not so easy to use. And uh, can I really trust this? And it, same with the cryptocurrencies. I, I actually, like I said, I'm playing around with them. But they're, they're definitely not as easy to use. It's, it's definitely more complicated than just using a credit card. For sure it is. And so, again, for most normal people, 
the average person, not ready yet. So what to do? What to do? Well, what I'm going to do, my own personal answer to this, is I'm just going to play around with some of these applications anyway. Because I just want to get a, a feeling for it. I realize now, you know, most of these are just not quite ready, that we're several years away from it really uh, getting popular, at least several years away. But it's just good to position yourself. The more you understand it now, the more you get in and start playing with it, then you'll be able to judge. Then you'll know when one of the great applications come along, you'll realize, whoa, this is a good one. This is different than the others. So that's why I want to be involved. And I'd like to also just support this movement because I think it does have long-term potential. For the cryptocurrencies, you know, it's it's a little like gambling because <laughs> we don't know for sure, but there's potential there to make some money. I would not recommend it as a main investment strategy, more like just use any play money you have, extra money that you don't care about losing. Don't put all your savings into Bitcoin. That's a big gamble. But don't av- I would say don't avoid Bitcoin also. Maybe open a, there's one called Uphold. That's one of the wallets. They're called wallets. It's basically like a little bank account for crypto. They're called crypto wallets. There are many different ones. It can be a little complicated because there's different kinds. But for the, a very basic one that is used and promoted by the Brave browser that's pretty simple to use is called Uphold. I believe that's the name of it. And you can, uh, in Uphold, you can buy and own and use uh, Bitcoin, also the Brave coin, which is called BAT, BAT, Ethereum, several of the main ones you can do. Just play with it. So I, like I said, I would just put a little bit of money into it and play around with it. Maybe try to go see if you could send a little bit of uh, Bitcoin to somebody or use the Bitcoin to pay someone for just something small, that kind of thing, or give a little donation to someone using Bitcoin. Just, just to play around, that's what I'd recommend. Just play around with it right now. That's all. If you really, really, really understand it, then maybe you could get into investing it, but investing in it, but I would make sure you really understand what you're doing. As for the applications, what have I tried so far? I mentioned Steemit this week. I mentioned Steemit, Steemit.com and then DTube, which is the video channel. And I thought, well, this sounds like very promising. Unfortunately, this is where we have to look at where even with a blockchain, there can be some centralization. So this is makes it a little complicated because we still have to research. Just because something says... A site says, we use the blockchain. It doesn't mean it's automatically super free speech. It does not mean that. They can st- it, it depends on how they structure it, how they program it, how it's designed. And what I f- have figured out, and it was not easy to figure this out. I had to do a lot of research and reading. But I figured out that Steemit and DTube, which are use the same blockchain, actually do censorship. And in some ways, I think it's worse censorship than YouTube. So I'm not going to go with them. I don't like them. I found out they they have this system of voting for content, basically, that users can vote. Let's say a video. Users can vote on a video, upvote or downvote. 
And if a video gets a lot of downvotes, more downvotes than upvotes, it will kind of disappear off of do do eh, disappear off of DTube. Not just disappear in the off the like the main page, but I mean completely disappear and then they'll delete the file. This is a system easily abused. Instead of the company doing the censorship, you get like a mob censorship. But it's even worse than that because Steemit has this system where they use they use their little digital coins and things, basically where users can get influence, power. So some, basically they get more votes. So some users are very, very powerful. For example, the people in the company, the Steam company. So if they downvote your video, just the one person downvoting your video, that might be equal to 100 downvotes just because this one person has a lot of influence and power in their system. So that one person could just disappear your video. And I've already read about this happening on Steemit and DTube. So that's worse than YouTube. That's worse. So you can see it's not so simple. It's, if you just say blockchain, it doesn't mean anything. It, you have to look, you got to dig deeper to see is it still, because certain kinds of blockchain can still even if something's based on the blockchain, they can still design it. They can still program their application. Right? That's the application is kind of on top of the blockchain. That application might still be fairly centralized. I found a different one called PeerTube. P-E-R tube. P-E-E two E, sorry. P-E-E-R tube. PeerTube, like peer to peer. PeerTube has a better model it's harder to censor because they don't, instead of having one place where the files are saved and controlled, they've got lots and lots and lots. They have a, like a general system and then any host, any server can use their system, the PeerTube system. So what you can do as a video maker, you could shop around and you can put your videos on one host or you could put your videos on several different hosts. So if one got censored you, you'd still have the others. It's much harder to censor. That one looks promising. It's a little complicated to figure out right now. This is, this is the problem. Like I said, it's kind of like the old 90s internet. It, it's, none of it is simple or easy. <laughs> you got to research. There's tons and tons. They have lot. The good news is they have lots and lots and lots and lots, lots of these servers and hosts, but each one of them has different rules. A lot of them, their pages are not even in English. It's just, it would take a lot of time to go through and figure it out. And it's very complicated. This is a weak point. Eventually it'll probably get better. There's another one called SIF, C-I-P-H, SIF.io, SIF.io, C-I-P-H.io. This one looks very promising, very, very, very interesting. Looks, It's designed for privacy. It's designed to avoid censorship. That's all great. It's connected to a cryptocurrency called Monero. Monero is another one of these digital coins, and Monero specifically is designed for privacy. All that sounds great, and it 
again promising but their website it's like green and black it, it i swear it looks like a a website from 1995 <laughs> it's one of the the ugliest most badly designed websites i have seen in a long long time so and the process of you know like how do you sign up and use it again it's not clear at all it's it looks it seems complicated and it's it's really badly designed <laughs> i don't know the the programming part might be fantastic it might be really cool but again we again the same problem that seems to be true for most of the blockchain stuff now is that the design is just terrible there's something called IPFS. IPFS. This is actually for full websites. It's it's kind of a you know how you, when you go to a website you have HTTP at the beginning, HTTP, and that's kind of a way of looking up and creating websites with a web address HTTP and then whatever effortlessenglish.com. Well, IPFS is a is a different system. It uses a blockchain system for web addresses. Again, that the idea being much harder to do, to censor, so you can protect your whole website. Sounds promising. I went to their web page, and it's quite complicated. You you kind of have to understand programming a little bit to to use it. And it was beyond me. I started reading the directions. And I said, "Oh, forget it. I can't do this right now. I don't have the knowledge for this." So again. Technically, it's probably got very promising potential, but it's too difficult, too complicated to use for the normal person. So there we are. That's my update on my research of the blockchain, where we are now. I think right now, the easiest thing to use are the coins, just the basic coins like Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the easiest. It's the one that we hear about the most. There are lots of these Bitcoin wallets. There are lots of places you can buy Bitcoin with, with dollars or euros or yen or whatever. There are a decent number of people and websites that accept Bitcoin payments. So it's the coins right now. That's why the coins are getting all the news because really the coins are... are the easiest to use at the moment for most people still for some people maybe still a little complicated but that's probably the best for applications other applications other programs functions most of them are complicated and difficult to use or badly designed i think the best one i have seen so far is actually the brave browser I sh I, it's probably not surprising. The guy who made the Brave browser, he's the same guy who made Firefox. So he, he, he got fired from Firefox for a bunch of stupid political stuff. So he left and he started a different company and he created Brave. And I, I mentioned before how Brave uses its own digital coin called BAT. Brave Attention Token is the what it means. So they are using this, they're trying to get this blockchain payment system into their browser so that website owners can get paid directly for traffic without needing to advertise, without needing Google. 
and that is it's really well done and it's quite simple to use i i i do it i contribute every month uh, i can't remember 10 or 20 dollars maybe i contribute maybe even more than that i contribute every month because i want to support all the websites that i visit and i also uh, signed up for the uphold account so i receive a little bit of money when people visit i think it's my youtube channel right now but i could switch it to my website so right now i think they are doing the very best job of a blockchain program that's super easy to use that is well designed that looks good the brave browser and it has other great functions like blocking ads and privacy so i recommend if you want to get in dip into try blockchain a little bit brave browser might be a good place to start do the brave browser get an uphold account for your for cryptocurrency and just put in ten dollars a month or something and play around that's a nice little first step a lot of the other stuff i think is just not ready yet but i'll let you know as i do more research okay whoo a little bit of a technical topic today <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain some of this in a, in a way i hope you I hope it was understandable for you. Got some little bit, little bit of complicated vocabulary in there, and some of the ideas are a little bit complicated. If you have questions or don't understand something, just ask me on Twitter, AJ Hoge, A-J-H-O-G-E, or on Gab or One Way or Minds or whatever. AJ Hogue on all those places. Just ask me, you know, what did you mean? I don't understand this part. So I'll try to explain more clearly. One more comment about decentralization, not blockchain. Let's go back to this, be more general. I mentioned before how the, with the history of the United States, how this idea of decentralization was so important. It was a one of the main ideas of the American Revolution. One of the main ideas, uh, we might say, behind the American Revolution. One of the main values of early America was this idea that the power should be with the people and freedom for individual people and small towns and not some far away big government. And this was betrayed. This was has been betrayed. But yet, you know what, I, when I think about people asking me about American culture all the time, I still think that the average American person, the average American citizen, not government, just the citizen, the normal American, still has this idea, still believes this. The average American hates the government in Washington, D.C., hates them. And that's, that's I don't care. Democrat, Republican, left, right. Although some, there is a group, I'd say maybe 30% of Americans who want big government. These tend to especially be kind of fake Americans who uh, were not born in America or they, they uh, kind of more of communist socialist. I mean, that has happened now in America. It's sad. But traditionally... Traditionally, Americans have really hated centralization and hated the central government. And they've had to use very, very, very strong propaganda <laughs> through the media to get Americans to, uh, you know, go to wars, for example. 
World War One. America, the Americans did not want to enter World War One. That's why they didn't get into World War World War One until near the end, and they were tricked and put under huge pressure with propaganda, and then finally just forced in. There was no vote. And World War II also, after World War I, Americans were sick of it and they did not want to go to war again. And again, massive, massive, massive propaganda and lies. And Roosevelt, the president at the time, uh, did everything possible to push America into that war because the American people did not want to go. And then later in the history of the United States, the Vietnam War, well, we all know what happened. America finally left. Why? Because there was so much protesting at home. People did not want it. And so a lot of times people outside of America, they think, oh, America, they like war and empire. Not really. This has been forced on American people. Yes, there are some Americans who like that, but most do not. Most Americans still have this idea of decentralization and they want the power back with the individual states and not with the central government and they don't want an empire and they don't want to be invading all these other countries and they don't want military in all these other countries and this and this something that a lot of people don't understand this is one of the main reasons why the, the, what's called the Second Amendment in the United States, the right to bear arms, meaning the right to have guns, firearms, is so, so important to the United States. It is one of the central main rights for Americans, that and freedom of speech. Being, those are the top two. That's number one and number two. Number one, freedom of speech. Number two, the right to bear arms, which means the right for firearms. Why is that so important to them, to us? Because it's about this decentralization. It means that the government doesn't have all the power, that the people, because they have, because they're armed, because they have weapons, that they retain, they keep the power, at least some of that power. Without having guns, they're, they're completely powerless against the government and anyone else. But with guns, heavily armed, right, they can defend themselves. It means the power gets decentralized more and more. It means instead of depending on the central police to protect them, that individuals have the idea of, ah, everyone protects themselves and then maybe protects their neighbors too. It's decentralized. It goes back to this very, very important value, decentralization, because as we can see in government, on the internet, with money, decentralization brings more freedom. It equals more freedom. And centralization equals less freedom. So decentralization. Even economically, we look at early in the United States history, again, it was a decentralized economy. What it means is something like, ah, what's the figure? I think it was 80, 90%. 95, it was some huge number. I can't remember the percent, but it was over 80% of people at the time of the American Revolution were 
independent. They were independent business people. Most were farmers. But they, they were not employees. They were entrepreneurs. Most just had their own family farm where they made their food and then they also grew extra food and they sold the extra food for money to buy everything else they needed. But there were also lots and lots and lots of other small family businesses, lots of small family businesses, not concentrated into huge companies, but rather lots and lots and lots, a huge number of independent, small, little businesses. And so the average individual, most individuals were very, very free. They were economically free because they were not employees, right? They had their own, they controlled their own little business, their own little farm. So this decentralization, this economic decentralization also gives us more freedom, maximum freedom. This is why I'm such a, a fan, why I promote what Robert Kiyosaki teaches. Being an entrepreneur and an investor, even just at a small level, you don't have to be big, but just at a small level because it increases your freedom. But now, of course, we've seen w not only America, but the whole world, more and more and more centralization of work as well, where work has become concentrated, where these huge companies provide most of the jobs, where people are forced to work for these big, big, big companies, and thus less freedom. Centralization equals less freedom, Decentralization equals more freedom in almost every single system. And finally, finishing on my favorite topic, education. This is why I am such a huge, huge, huge fan of homeschooling, why homeschooling is important. Because again, what is homeschooling? It is decentralized education. It is putting the education control back into each home. It means each home, each family controls their own education for their own children. It's completely decentralized. You take the power away from these big central, big governments, national governments, and also state governments, and you, you push that power and push that control out to each individual family much, 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 much more freedom. Much healthier, much better. A better quality too. Again, you're cutting out the middlemen, you're cutting out the control and all the negative things that come from centralization. If I had to look at all these different you know, issues, that's the one thing that connects them all. Money, blockchain, internet, censorship, education and homeschooling entrepreneurs, investing, and rich dad, all of that, all of these topics. This is a central idea, central, <laughs> main idea that goes through all of them. Centralization versus decentralization. In each case, we see where centralization, as that increases, like monopolies, greater and greater and greater control by a few, less and less and less freedom, less and less and less effective, more and more and more lies, more corruption, 
On the other hand, where we see more and more decentralization, we see more and more freedom, more and more effective, more and more human. So I hope, we hope that this blockchain technology will indeed do what people hope it's going to do, what people are promising. They are promising a revolution, a decentralization revolution on the internet and with money. That's what they're giving, giving us in all these articles and all these videos and, that they're talking about. That's what the promise is. That's what they say is the potential. Will it actually happen? Will we get this great, wonderful revolution of decentralization? I don't know. Once again, we've got to wait and see. Let's hope. As always, join my VIP program. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Bye for now.